hello, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. We made it till the end of the week. We made it to Friday. And uh, I missed you guys yesterday. I truly did. But uh, truth be told, yesterday, you want to know what exciting fun I had yesterday? Well, I'm going to tell you. I uh, <laughs> I literally crawled into bed at noon, and I woke up at 7 o'clock at night. You want to talk about a beautiful day? That is my definition of a beautiful day, let me tell you. And uh, I want to thank uh, Reese, I think, who filled in uh, yesterday for uh, taking care of business for me. Um, and one of the things we did a show on very recently, uh, and they're long-term sponsors of the program, and I feel not bad at all about talking about them, but uh, I, I made it to the Buffalo Dental Group yesterday, longtime sponsors of the program. And as you know, we did a show last week on sleep apnea because so many of you have sleep apnea and so many of you have that sleep apnea machine, that CPAP machine, and it's just sitting around and you can't, you never could get used to it. You couldn't find a mask that fit and less than 30% of the people who should be wearing a CPAP machine are actually wearing a CPAP machine. So I'm one of these people and we talked about this during the show. I, to me, once you try on the CPAP machine and you see what quality sleep really can be like, there's just no going back. Never had an issue at all adjusting to the CPAP machine. How could I have an issue when it was the most beautiful sleep ever? But uh, what we're doing uh, with uh, our friends and sponsors for a long time at the Buffalo Dental Group, uh, they have a, uh, I'm sorry, an oral appliance which sounds like something you might find at that store on Transit by Worley. But uh, they have Tanner saying, huh? And Jimmy Stelliano saying, oh, I've been there. Uh, but <clears throat> they, they they use a device called a uh, pharyngometer. It's a device, a pharyngometer. And basically it measures your intake of air and a whole bunch of other um, metrics uh, that it puts you through or puts your breathing through. And uh, they then take an impression of your mouth don't go there. Do, foul as it is, I know. And uh, they are designing a custom oral appliance. It's going to take me a while to say that without going giggity. Uh, and we're going to actually compare the sleep without the oral appliance, but with the CPAP machine, and then the sleep with the oral appliance, and then the sleep with both of them. So I'm, I have volunteered to be the guinea pig for the oral appliance at the Buffalo Dental Group. Now, I must tell you, according to FCC regulations, I am not paying for this, uh, It is, uh, but they are sponsors of the show, so I don't feel bad about talking about what they're doing and what we are going to be doing. You might remember we had Dr. Civic on uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about this technology and personally, I, did, I can't wait to get going on it because, as we did uh, mention during the show on sleep apnea, um, there are certain things that always are in the Bowerly travel bag. The heart medication, absolutely in the travel bag. Anything I might take for pain, in the travel bag. And the CPAP machine, always in the travel bag. I can get by without clothes. Especially where, no, never mind. I can get by without clothes uh, very well, uh, but I can't get by without the CPAP machine and without um, the, the heart medication. So 
if there's a way to actually reduce the carry-on by simply using the oral appliance, then that is going to save big time on space. So looking forward to that. And again, uh, this is courtesy of the Buffalo Dental Group, and we're going to um, incorporate this into the ads for the Buffalo Dental Group. And personally, I'm really excited about it. And everybody who uh, called into the show we did oh last week, the week before, on uh, sleep apnea, I will let you know how it goes. And, uh, you know, your your insurance coverage may or may not uh, handle this. It, uh, I think in the future it probably will if it isn't already. But, uh, you know, they say wish in one hand and do something in the other and see which fills up first. Yeah. So anyway, I, it's, it's very good to know heading into the show that, uh, you know, Tanner, no matter how bad my memory is today, no matter how horrible it is, that I cannot be any worse than the President of the United States. And in a sick way, I do take some delight in that, Tanner. Is that wrong? Well, I mean, not that the Joe Biden sets the bar particularly high as far as memory oh, is concerned, but, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, any day you, you wake up and you're not that bad, that's, uh, you should consider yourself blessed. <laughs> you're right. You're kind of like any day you wake up on this side of the graph. Well, you know, it's really funny because, uh, as I think everybody now knows, uh, my mom is 90 years old. And going through some things with my mom as, uh, you know, you got to clean out the house. There comes a point in time where you got to say, okay, why are we keeping this? Are you ever going to wear this again? No. Okay. Charity, charity, charity. Uh, so we were looking through an old book of poems from the Kenmore schools back in the 1930s and early 1940s. First of all, it is fascinating from a historical point of view to listen to the poems of young people that were written during the Second World War. And I hope to be able to bring some of those to you uh, during the show today as kind of a, a, a little history lesson. And who knows, maybe your relative will be one of the names I read from this book. Um, but the important thing here, talking about memories and seniors, right before the show, okay, this uh, short time beforehand, I'm, I'm talking to mom. And I'm looking at a book she knew instantly, out of all of the books she's ever had in her life, she knew instantly the book at which I was looking, and she told me instantly what page the poem she had written might be found. Like, Mom, you got to be kidding me. This was 85 years ago. How can you possibly remember where a poem you wrote back in 1938 would be located? And sure enough, she nailed it. She got it. So uh, the Joe Biden situation is, uh, let's just say, not quite that sharp. Um, it, look, anybody uh, in their 80s or 90s, they're going to have moments. And I'm sure that you, as you listen to the show in your 40s, 50s, heck, maybe in your 30s, you've had what we call senior moments. And uh, Tim Wanger and I have actually spent probably way too much time talking about senior moments over the years. I mean, this goes back, Tim and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, so this goes back to when we were both in our 30s, and we would kind of remark upon how frequently, and remember, cell phones were a lot bigger then than they were and are now. Uh, we would talk about uh, the frequency with which we misplaced our cell phones, our car keys, and our wallets. And then, of course, 
uh, and again, this happens in your 30s. It happens in, in your 40s. Anytime thereafter, maybe sometimes before with all the weed you people are smoking. Right? Don't you believe in saving some for your talk show host? But anyway, <clears throat> anyway, buds, <clears throat> uh, the, <laughs> the idea of walking into a room and totally forgetting why you walked into the room. I know I'm looking for something. Where is it? And how many times this past week have it's Friday, right? How many times in this past week have you used the find my device feature to track down your device? And do you have this nasty habit of putting your cell phone on mute instead of ring? Because I do, given what I do for a living, you can always tell when Tommy's phone starts ringing in the middle of his show because I, you basically, you, you know the two words I'm thinking, holy, uh, on the air. I don't say it on the air, but I'm, believe me, I'm thinking it on the air. It's, it's that feeling of, I can't believe I forgot to turn off the ringer. And then when I lose the cell phone and I use another phone to try to find it, I can't believe I put it on mute. So I, I basically, you know, I just can't I just can't win. Now, one of the things that has come up that I want to spend some time discussing today on uh, News Radio 930 WBEN is this uh, police body cam issue. And I said something very stupid um I know what else is new. I've said so many stupid things, even I've lost track. But uh, uh my friend Frank Panasuk alerted me to it. Um, right after I said it, and I never had a chance to correct myself, but the uh, town of Hamburg does not have police body cams, and that surprised me. And actually, there are a whole bunch of police jurisdictions that do not have body cams, and I want to just turn to a piece, and uh, Tanner, maybe you can find it on the WKBW-TV website, and I'm sure they have no issue with us playing the piece in its entirety. We're kind of partnered with them, and... whole bunch of other people uh, in local media because I'd, I'd like to actually hear this piece uh, as people heard it on the TV. But the script, if you will, reads this way. Dateline, Hamburg, New York. Town of Hamburg police announced there is no footage of last week's altercation that led to a woman being shot and killed by an officer, sparking a conversation about where are their body cameras. According to police, 36-year-old Lisa Height was tracked to a residence on McKinley Parkway. Officers found an open door at that re- uh, at that residence. Police said officers announced themselves, made entry to clear the house, and encountered height. An altercation ensued. The officer discharged the weapon, uh, killing height. However, Tuesday, police announced at a press conference that they have no video of this altercation because the officers in Hamburg do not yet wear body cameras. I'm confident that in 2024, we will have body cameras, according to the uh, town of Hamburg police chief. Uh, The chief said body cameras have been in the works for several years, but that getting them has been a lengthy process. You know, this state to me is so screwed up. Let's spend a billion dollars to cover up the Kensington but we can't find $50 million for new snow plows and a new snow plowing uh, barn for the crews uh, from which they can work in the city of Buffalo. It really is, it's obscene what we spend money on and what we don't spend money on in New York State. $50 million. It's a $60 million project 
$10 million of it has been raised, I guess we could say, which leaves a balance due of $50 million. And in a city like Buffalo, which is known for, you know, oscillating bands of lake effect snow, uh, to have a barn in which the plows are stored where basically dog-sized rats can enter the holes in the building and a lot of the plows that they show us every year, the buffalo is ready for winter. Um, they're, they're, they're dinosaurs. They don't work. They don't work like they're supposed to work. And it's basically, why bother? The city needs new plows, and it needs better accommodations for the workers. And having seen photographs and having heard descriptions of the conditions under which the, the, the plow people work, I got to tell you, you would not want the job. I would not want the job. And what they have to deal with as workers uh, compared to the output that they give for their money is out of proportion. They need better conditions to do their jobs properly. And I'm not saying they don't do them properly now. They could do them even better with better gear and a better work environment, which uh, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want your husband or wife working in the environment in which these people have to work. It's just plain hideous. So, again, getting back to the whole body cam issue, if I may, the uh, chief uh, of Hamburg says that body cams have been in the works for several years, but getting them has been lengthy. This is how long it has taken us to get the grant and then to have the money in the budget. The chief of Hamburg said his department had already received funding for body cams from the town prior to the shooting, and they will be coming later this year. Erie County District Attorney John Flynn is in favor of getting these cameras in as many departments as possible. Changes have been made in the past. For example, New York State Police have required body cams since 2020. Buffalo Police since 2019. Uh, Taking some time, the Channel 7 reporter, I took some time to look into how common police cameras are across Erie County. Turns out that Hamburg is not the only one that doesn't have body cams. No, 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 no. Uh, You get from the body cam footage the real-life facts of what happened, and that is invaluable, according to uh, John Flynn. DA's office said... Most of Erie County's local departments do have police body cams, and they show a map here on Channel 7 of the places that do and the places that don't. And uh, there are uh, a total of 14 town and village police agencies across the county that do have body cams for their officers to use on duty. But Hamburg's position is not uncommon and, of course, not unique either. It's one of seven town and village police agencies across the county that don't have body cameras for their officers. And it, it, it should not take this long to get body cameras for the officers. Now, I, I would love to know. Now, one of the things about being a police officer is if you're currently on the job, Okay, you're currently deriving your check from a local police department. You are not authorized to speak publicly to the media. That does not mean that I don't get texts when I'm on the air sometimes from the men and women of law enforcement who are my dear 
friends and for whom I have the utmost respect, but they can't come on the air and say, all right, here's the story. But to those of you who are retired men and women of local law enforcement agencies, uh, feel free to call. What are they going to do? Mess with your pension? Mess with your health benefits? I, I, I don't think so. I think you, you should be good to go on the pluses and minuses of body cams. And when you think about it, let me just take a sip of my uh, cran- my diet cranberry. Mm, 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 mm. Would be better with vodka, not going to lie. Little Tito's would be nice. But anyway, <clears throat> I digress. Um, the police body cam thing has always been controversial. And originally, and, and this, this goes back to the very uh, inception of the police body cam, most of the cops I knew were dead set against the body cam. They did not want the body cams at all. Um, and it's kind of like uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and it's almost like what happens uh, in a in a prowl car stays in a prowl car. What happens on a call stays uh, with the call unless the information is released by the PIO or public information officer. But something very interesting happened over the years. And this is my perception. I don't have a scientific study on it or anything like that to back it up. But there have been a number of cases where police officers who had been accused of things falsely actually were exculpated of any wrongdoing because of body cam footage. And in that sense, in that way, the body cam can be a police officer's best friend. And again, going back to the beginning of the whole body cam movement, a lot of the cops I knew at the beginning were absolutely, resolutely, and steadfastly opposed to it. And now they are more in favor of it than I ever thought they would be because they have seen many of their colleagues who had been, who ordinarily would have faced some serious allegations and charges with nothing but a he, uh, he said, she said situation. They're now able to prove that they didn't actually do that which they were accused of doing, and it has gotten them off the hook. Um, so if you are retired, from being a law enforcement officer, maybe Rambo Jim. Well, I'll make an exception. Rambo Jim can call in today if he wants to. I'm not sure the situation with the uh, with the COs, the correctional officers, and whether or not you guys and ladies have to wear body cams. Talk about a job that I don't know how they're going to recruit people in the future. Of course, I guess in New York State, one of the answers is we're just not going to put anybody in prison for anything, no matter what they do in New York State. Think of the money we'll save. Uh, but uh, your thoughts on body cams, but it, and, and this goes way beyond body cams as well. Uh, don't go anywhere. I, I de- definitely, this show has a lot of potential. I, I don't, I don't know that I want to say instant classic yet until we start rolling with it. But I know it's got a lot of potential. And the phone number is the the host sucks, but the show and you guys should be really good. Eight zero three zero nine thirty star nine thirty. And 1-800-616-WBEN. Actually, uh, it's not that I suck. It's just that I, I promise, Tanner, what do I promise each and every day in the program? Mediocrity. Mediocrity. And I've lived up to that so far today. I see no reason why that can't continue. Read the news online at WBEN.com. 
audio, Joe Biden. Right Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away or passed away. How in the hell dare he raise that? Uh, there is uh, the president uh, who faced accusations of uh, not being able to recollect uh, when his son died, uh, very angrily uh, striking back at uh, stories that uh, the Department of Justice special counsel uh, was telling about uh, his, uh, shall we say, mental quickness and mental clarity. Joining us now on the WBEN Trocare College live line, uh, we have uh, Dr. Bruce Troen, uh, Professor and Chief Division of Geriatrics, Physician, Investigator, KCVA Healthcare System, Director of the Landon Center on Aging, University of Kansas School of Medicine, uh, from 2013 to 2022, the Chief of the Division of Geriatrics and Palliative Medicine at UB, also the Director of the Center of Excellence for Alzheimer's Disease. And this is, again, one of the topics we're covering today, along with the police uh, body camp situation. Uh, Dr. Tron, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate your time very much. Yeah, sure. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, first of all, um, when somebody who is accused of perhaps not being as sharp as a t- uh, as attack goes on the attack do we read anything into that i think the answer to that is that from my perspective uh the best way to try to understand if people have cognitive changes with aging is under professional circumstances either in a setting where there's a physician who has experience with this uh, or a, a geropsychologist to be able to examine that individual under those circumstances. Uh, and those uh, tests that one might do also have to be done within a framework of knowing more about the individual. So I'm pretty conservative when it comes to trying to infer those kinds of things outside of a setting uh, and a setting that sometimes is often very charged. Uh, so I think the answer to that is no, we can't really tell, and I would not venture that unless I had the opportunity to actually examine the individual. I mean, obviously, I want to leave politics aside because we're talking about a a mental situation, a geriatric situation, a situation of changes of life in in terms of learning and retention. And I'm going to ask you a question that you've been probably asked a million times, but uh, you know, my sure. mother is uh, my mother's 90 years old. And okay. sometimes she may not remember what she had for dinner last night, but I told the story earlier about bringing a book out from 85 years ago in which she had had a poem printed, and she recalled exactly the page <laughs> on which the poem was located. Common? Uncommon? <laughs> yeah, so, so that's great for your mom. So I guess the real – if I can reframe your question a little bit, the – he might be trying to understand what are normal changes with aging, and there are changes, and what are changes with aging that go beyond the normal, which make us concerned about capacity and capabilities. So we know that with aging, there can be a, a slowing uh, in processing, okay? Sometimes there's reduced ability to sustain attention or multitask, uh, and maybe sometimes with word finding. Uh, we do know, uh, though, that if there are settings where you – and by the way, so long-term memories are often sometimes more solidly ingrained with us 
than short-term memory. Uh, but that's very different than having cognitive decline. And typically when we think about cognitive decline, we think of something, an early stage called mild cognitive impairment, and then whether or not that progresses further to uh, uh, many people use the term dementia, but we actually use the word neuro, the term neurocognitive disorders. And, and so what you're, and again, I am not able to diagnose your mother, but if people have difficulty uh, with consistent, uh, 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 consistent difficulties with remembering what happened in recent events, then what we as geriatricians or neurologists who are focusing on the field would say is that they should go to a physician and get the appropriate screening. So it may not be uncommon for what your mom uh, exhibits, but I cannot say based upon that story whether or not she has any deficit in her cognitive capabilities. I guess what I'm getting at, Tom, and, and you might hear the background here, is that as a geriatrician, I'm very much against ageism. Uh, we tend to ascribe to older people a number of perceptions that I think don't do them justice. Uh, we know that at each stage of life uh, that there are different knowledge and abilities and capacities and strengths, uh, and, and those potentially can be very positive. Uh, but I think we have a situation with both of our major candidates uh, for president uh, that unfortunately has been helping to bring out some of the perceptions and what I would characterize as all too easily misperceptions for what happens as we get older. Well, getting getting away from the concept of ageism, I, I, I'm pretty sure you're okay. reading my. I, I think you're reading my mind right now. One of the things okay. that uh, was was talked about many years ago, back in the 1980s, by the former uh, communications department chairman at SUNY Buffalo, Jerry Goldhaber, uh, he would travel around the world, in particular to Japan, and he would do mm -hmm. speeches on information overload and the fact that the and, and it, at this time there was no internet and people typically did not have email and what he would say yeah. is in a nutshell because of the explosion in available information the human brain can only absorb and retain and repeat and utilize yeah. so much before basically our hard drives, if they don't become full, they start acting even in their thir even in our thirties or forties uh, in a way that would make it seem almost like the seventy or eighty year old of yesterday. Yeah. So 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 I, I understand the analogy, and, and fortunately, we've been able to uh, learn a lot more about what our capacities are as we get older. And in fact, there is still the capability for learning new ideas, for articulating new things, uh, but we know that processing speed can decline uh, as we get older. Uh, but it, that's a far cry from saying that we overload the hard drive, because as, as I'm sure you and all of our, our listeners know, that emotion overlays so much of what we tend to remember or what we don't tend to remember. Uh, and so and you can see I'm being quite cautious here um, and, and I think with a purpose that we, we all should be able to make decisions about whether or not we agree with someone. I just am very concerned about jumping to say that they're, and I'm not sure I like these terms, mental acuity uh, or competency, which is a legal term and not a, uh, a medical term, uh, or capacities are altered, and that we 
and I as a physician, um, and, and I see patients all the time about this, we take a pretty in-depth history. We look at tracking over a period of time. We have a number of, of cognitive screens. One of them uh, people may be familiar with, because I think President Trump mentioned this, uh, though I'm not sure this was a test he te took, but the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, for example, is a well-known screen. It's not diagnostic. There's also something called the St. Louis University Mental Status Exam, SLUMS, developed actually at the VA in St. Louis, and then something called the Mini Mental Status Exam, otherwise referred to as the Folstein Test. These are just a handful of some of the tools, and there are multiple tools that allow uh, clinicians uh, such as myself and others to start diving into this. But it really takes more than just a quick assessment uh, whether I watch uh, President Biden on the uh, uh, on the press conference last night or if I see President Trump giving a speech, I'm very reluctant to say that any of us from those from those exposures can draw very firm conclusions. And that doesn't mean we can't make decisions about whether we agree with them politically, of course. I'm just trying to be cautious here. Uh, well, of course, uh, Dr. Bruce Trowan is with us, an expert on well, I'll, I'll try to narrow it down. Our brain and the aging <laughs> process. Uh, for those of you yeah. in Canada, that would be the aging process. Um, one of the things uh, that uh, I have to say, and I've noticed this for quite some time, going back into my 40s, and I think maybe some of our listeners can uh, relate to this, the more busy somebody is and the more uh, stressful activities in which somebody is uh, involved with or engaged in it, it almost seems as though that in itself those uh, stressful activities and just not really having a time to, uh, to sit back and just relax a little bit can exacerbate one's feeling anyway of my goodness yeah. I'm losing my memory <laughs> and, and, and I agree with you so we know that multitasking uh, which um, I, I can uh, I know our, when my teenage son one time, I walked into his room, he had his phone on, he was listening to music, uh, he was doing his homework, and I said to him, uh, I was concerned because are you focusing? And he said, well, Dad, you know, I'm a straight-A student. And, 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 and yet the capacity of a teenager, for example, to have the ability to pull in all these different streams of information is clearly better than someone likely in their 40s. We tend to look at processing uh, capabilities as peaking in the 30s, or early 40s. And as we get older, I agree with you very much. Uh, multitasking, uh, keeping all these different streams of information is clearly affected. But that's where one can, I think, fairly say that uh, an individual through accumulated experience and hopefully wisdom and knowledge can show strength that maybe those who are younger and maybe particularly our teenage offspring may not be able to uh, show such a, a strength in. You know, uh, we're talking on the Trocare College WBEN live line with uh, Dr. Bruce Trowan. Uh, fascinating conversation. Um, you alluded, not in so many words, but uh, the idea uh, before of uh, um, memory and, uh, all, if I can paraphrase, mnemonic devices. For example, mm -hmm. And I, I think this might be a fitting example, and I'd like your comments upon it. Um, sure. I think we all remember the first time we heard Casey and the Sunshine Band. 
I think we <laughs> all remember the first time we heard Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Obviously, music <laughs> plays a very big part in the program, as of you course. might know. But sure. uh, music as the soundtrack of our lives, movies as a soundtrack of our lives. We all, we all remember the movie we saw on a first date. Uh, there are certain yeah. there are certain things that just jump out and bite into our memory and never yeah. let it go, and we wish it could be all yeah. things. Yes, right, right, and I agree with you. Again, there's where the emotional, powerful connection plays into that, and and, and even those memories, though, which can be firm, may not be as accurate as the real world intended, but we are able to hang on to those. So, so in our in our sort of information overloaded era that we have now, it's probably more of a challenge, though I hope most of us are handling it pretty well. Um, you know, I think there's, unfortunately, we don't have really good studies to say directly now with all the different streams that are coming at us, how does that affect us on an age-related basis? Uh, there's still a lot of things we don't know about aging that I'm I'm a very big advocate in us learning more because hopefully we all want to get there, right? I mean, in, in some respects, what you're talking about today is really about a uh, a setting where we're having a demographic transformation in our society. By the by the time uh, 2035 rolls around, there'll be more individuals 65 and older than 18 and younger. And I think we've got to think about how that's going to have an impact on all of us and I certainly think about that from a healthcare setting. So I think this is a topic of conversation, which hopefully uh, will spur us to think about how we not only prepare for that, but also, in a way, take the best possible good advantage of the strengths of individuals as they get older and as we all hope to get older. You know, there's another thing, another aspect to this uh, that I think we need to talk about, and that is somebody who can, let's say, read through a script of a movie or a TV show and pretty much get the script down after one or two reads, but give that person a much shorter mathematical equation or formula <laughs> and they just can't retain it. Can you talk about the factors that yes. influence the retention of data? Well, and, 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 and the answer is yes, I can, but that's related to what we think of as different cognitive domains, okay? So there's, there's visual, spatial, there's executive function, there are language, there's memory. And these, while they're interconnected, they are distinct. And, and matter of fact, in many of the screens that we have, our cognitive screens, there are specific portions of each one to help us discern where the strengths and deficits lie. So uh, there's, it's actually not a surprise in a way. And if we think back to just when we were all in school, and maybe one of our classmates was a real whiz in math, or another classmate just was an amazing person in writing an essay, or a third classmate was a wonderful musician. So these different cognitive domains are not equally uh, strong in all of us. And so I, I think what you're pointing out is something that varies based upon what our parents left us with and also where our interests lie. So yes, there's no doubt. So you've got people with significant strengths, and those strengths may not be apparent, unfortunately, in other cognitive areas, but hopefully we're all wise enough to recognize that and then take advantage of our colleagues and, and, and our family so that we can get the most bang for our buck in those areas where we're not that strong. 
Doctor, uh, I don't know you personally, but you strike me as a fellow who probably plays an instrument and who reads music. Am I correct? <laughs> well, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. But, but I can't say that I'm in good practice right now. I did more when I was younger. Well, I'm apparently a, a psychic as well as a radio talk show host. Um, <laughs> can you, you discuss... <laughs> Uh, and I know we're, we might be getting a little far afield from the Biden situation, but that's okay because all of these things tie together, in in, in my opinion. Can, can you discuss okay. muscle memory? Uh, musicians use that term a lot, muscle memory, mm. where yeah, you, you right. played a song so many times that even if you haven't practiced it in a couple of years, it just automatically comes back to you. Yes, yes. And, and you know, fusing music is I think a special case. And here's where I want to let, let on that I am not a specialist as a neurologist in these kinds of uh, uh, musical domains. But, but I think it's fair to say, as you mentioned earlier, as we talk about the memories of our lives, the music of our lives, it actually, and, and there are studies that look at this. Uh, you can actually look at scans, what are called positron emission tomography. You look at how the physiology of the brain works. And we, we light up different areas depending upon what cognitive domain we are exercising at that time. And, and it's, it's interesting that you use the term muscle memory uh, because it's really not muscle memory. In a way, it's neuronal memory, right? And, and there are biochemical changes that get reinforced when we do things. By the way, that happens with exercise, of course, but also with different cognition. So we set down these biochemical pathways and also these message RNA pathways to get even a little more particular. And we strengthen those with repetition so that we can call upon them with much greater ease. And, and of course, it comes, if I can be a little bit uh, uh, simplistic, practice makes perfect, but there's a good biochemical uh, and biological reason for that. And, you know, what, one more thing that was uh, along these lines was kind of alarming to me. I mean, everybody's talking about uh, Joe Biden and everything, but I had a chance to see Hall and Oates uh, back last September at the Canandaigua uh, Performing Arts Center. And they sat sure. down to play a song that they have played thousands of times on stage. And for whatever reason, Daryl Hall could not remember the key the in which they were performing, okay. and 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 Oates had to say it's E minor, key of E minor, and you know, <laughs> all kind of. Is that something about which you should be alarmed if you see that in a loved one? Something they've done a lot, and yet they don't remember the key of, of a song and, or perhaps words. So, so I think my answer can be framed this way: If that happens consistently, yes, I'd be concerned. But we all are subject to forgetting. Uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, we, we know that uh, if you reach back far enough, even though your mom, for example, can remember her poem from 80 years ago, um, that uh, we're not perfect in that regard. And, and I was actually in a meeting this morning with colleagues because we had a research meeting that we typically have on, on Friday mornings. And one of the colleagues uh, said to me, uh, talked about how she had presented – uh, some slides last week, and I could not remember the slides. And and my one of my colleagues next to me said, I can't either, though three other colleagues could remember them. Now, we, we, we talked about a whole lot uh, a week ago, but then after another colleague started describing it, and then we got the old slide, everything came flooding back. And, and so 
again, as you probably could gather from the way I've couched this earlier, if that happens once in a while, that's okay because uh, we all are subject to that. I think that one of the things I like to say to patients when they're saying that they're having trouble with memory, you know, if, if you forget your keys, and by the way, we all forget where we <laughs> placed our keys, right? Okay. Yes. But, but if you forget where you placed your keys and then you find them in the refrigerator, I mean, that's an extreme example, um, then that's something that you want to worry about. So, for example, there's another screening tool called the AD8. Uh, stands for the Alzheimer's Disease 8 uh, memory. It's, it's, it's a simple questionnaire uh, that actually, let's see if I can just pull it up here because I don't want to misrepresent that. Uh, but, you know, things like uh, if you could, if you have difficulty remembering uh, the day of the week, if you forget appointments, if you don't recognize people's names, that's another uh, uh, red set of red flags. But that's a far cry from being reminded, oh, it's any minor, and, and I'm going to bet that, uh, I don't know if it was Hall or Oates, I forgot which one you said, probably did okay with playing the song once he got reminded. Oh, yeah, uh, Daryl Hall was fine. Yes, okay. Uh, and so if, if you're having difficulties that are consistent and they're affecting how you function, so, for example, there's something called instrumental activities of daily living, the kinds of things that we use when we're shopping, when we're doing housework, when we're doing accounting or food preparation or working with a computer or driving or taking transportation. If you have difficulties with those and you're not able to compensate to accomplish that, well, then I'd start to be worried. And, again, I would get that person to a clinician who has experience in this area. And, and again, those are the instrumental activities of daily living. Um, and, and I'll say again, I don't have the information, and probably most of us don't, to know whether President Biden or President Trump has impairments in those areas. Uh, so I, I just want to urge caution, but I hope that I've been able to provide some information because we A all care about whether or not our president has the capacity to do what we want him to do. And again, with aging can come wisdom and knowledge and hopefully the ability to work with colleagues. And if we judge our, judge our candidates in that score uh, without being too quick to say whether or not there's a mental, again, a, a, a term I don't like, mental acuity issue, then we might be on safer ground and, frankly, able to talk to each other a little bit more easily about what really matters to all of us. Well, I'd love to pick your brain over the course of an hour at some point in the future because then there are these subsets of memory. Uh, Glenn Campbell, his final uh, farewell oh, yeah. tour where the man was suffering from Alzheimer's and he, yes. he he was flawless vocally. He was flawless playing his guitar, but sometimes he'd play the same song twice in a row and his daughter had to say, we just did that one, Dad. Uh, Dr. Trowan. Yes. I, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and I'm serious. I'd love to do a whole show with you, at least a full hour, and okay. take questions from people, too. Sure. I'd be happy to talk about aging, cognition. Uh, that's sort of my, my bag, and I'm, and I'm hoping that uh, if I can have the chance to help people learn more, then that would be a great opportunity. Let's, let's do that. Dr. Bruce Trowan on the Trocare College WBEN Live Line. Been a pleasure speaking with you. And Tom Puckett is probably saying, hey, Bowerly, talking about memory, you are aware that the news starts at the top of the hour and not a minute and a half after the top of the hour. And frankly, I couldn't blame Tom Puckett.
Well, hello, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN, and good to have you with us. And uh, my intention the first hour was to talk about the body cam thing. But when we had the availability with Dr. Bruce Troen, I had to call the audible at the line and get in some questions that uh, I was going to get into when we started talking about the Joe Biden situation. Uh, and you know what? It's all it's all good. As long as it's interesting and relevant to you, I'm fine with whatever we do whenever we do it. Now, as far as body cams are concerned, uh, we do have a piece from Channel 7. We'll get to it at uh, some point this hour. I'm quite sure that uh, Tanner has been able to track down. Tanner Saunders in the next room, but uh, body cam footage. Uh, a number of local police departments do not have body cams. And for as much as a lot of cops, and believe me, I know a lot of our law enforcement professionals and have for decades, um, there was a tremendous resistance to body cams when they first came out. But once the men and women of law enforcement discovered, wait a minute, these things can save my bacon as long as I'm minding my P's and Q's, maybe not a bad idea so somebody doesn't take liberties with the facts and say I did something that I did not do. Um, I, I would say there's been a, a, a real change in how law enforcement views body cams. But uh, Jim in North Tonawanda, as a retired corrections officer, would probably have a better uh, handle on that than I, uh, because it's a small community, police officers, correctional officers, people in the administrative staff. Uh, Jim, uh, thank you for being on WBEN. Again, I decided to waive the once-a-week uh, thing. because. Thank you. Well, because I, I know what the, I, I know when things are of special interest to you, and you have uh, the ability and the wherewithal and the knowledge to contribute meaningfully to our discussion. Oh, the poop blizzard came early today, didn't it? Uh, but anyway, uh, do you remember Jim back? Oh, it must have been the '90s, maybe the early 2000s when the body cam discussion really got into high gear and a lot of yeah, men and um, women of law enforcement were just, I don't want this thing on me. Yeah, um, the, the police were going through the same thing that we were going through in maximum security prisons, I'm going to say, from the mid to late 1980s when they first put, and the, there were all these problems with problem inmates on the special housing unit. Um. So what they did was they put they, they they put video cameras on like Attica, the special housing unit is on the second and third floor, and they were having so many problems with physical confrontations between the inmates that had been put there for disciplinary reasons and corrections officers that they put the cameras in. And I'm going to tell you something right now, us officers, and I was one of them. We were just like the police. We were absolutely opposed to putting any cameras anywhere on the special housing unit, second or third floor. However, as time went by, like the police, we were presently surprised that time and time again, when there was a physical confrontation on the second or third floor of the special housing unit at Attica, it would show that it was the inmate that had assaulted the correction officer or the two officers assault. Uh, say, for instance, you got to take an inmate. I think, if I remember right, the law in the state of New York says an inmate is entitled to three showers a week. And you cannot handcuff that inmate before you take him out of the cell. You tell him, turn around, put your back to the bars, stick your hands through the bars, we'll handcuff you, unless he's on the handcuff list. 
If he's not on the handcuff list, you you cannot put handcuffs on him. So there were times when an inmate that was not on the handcuff list, between his cell door and the shower room, would assault us. And sure enough, prisoners' legal service would get involved, you know, and that's their job to defend the inmates. I'm not complaining about that. But what would happen was the union representatives and the union lawyers would get together and they would review the videotape with a, a representative of management confidential, which I think is by the time you reach lieutenant, you're, you're considered in the state of New York to be management confidential. So from lieutenant or above, somebody from the rank of lieutenant, usually a captain would review the videotape first with the union representative. And then if prisoners legal service decide to push the issue, then the union lawyers would get involved. They'd say, okay, look, we got the videotape. We're going to show it to you. We have nothing to hide. Now, if you want to push this issue, well, at the time, Judge Penny was a New York State judge, so a lot of that stuff, I guess, it was a state prison. I'm not a lawyer, right? It would sound right to me that state prison, Judge Penny, New York State judge, they would go to her. And something the union uh, lawyers and our union representatives said was that once the judge, whether it's Judge Penny or any other judge, state judge, looks at that videotape and some very smart, slick lawyer says, well, don't believe what you saw on the camera videotape, on the videotape, believe what I'm telling you. More times than not, whether it's the grand jury, it's the judge, it's hard to convince somebody that what they saw with their eyes did not happen. When I saw the very first video of the Rodney King uh, beating, I said, it's obvious to me that looking at this video, uh, this video the very first time, that the cops were infuriated with Rodney King's attitude and conduct and big mouth. And so when they caught up to him and got him out of the car, they weren't interested in arresting him. They were going to teach him a lesson. We're the law, and you don't disrespect us and run your mouth. But your job is to make the arrest and take him in and then let the legal system run its course. And, I mean, because when I saw that, even though I was a corrections officer, I said, this does not look good. This does not look good to me. I don't like the way this uh, looks. And another time, there's a guy who lives here. He's a maintenance guy's father. But anyway, he had a video on his phone. He said, I want you to, he knows I'm a retired correction officer. He said, I need you to look at this. Tell me what you think. And it was that white cop in South Carolina who shot a black guy in the back as he was running away. Tom, if you shoot somebody in the back, black or white, there are three conditions that must be avail must be have happened before you can use deadly force ability. The person that you're using deadly force against must have the ability to cause you serious physical harm or possible death to you or a third party. The opportunity must have already presented itself, and that individual that you're using deadly force against must have already committed an act that places an act which places your life in serious physical death or could of serious physical jeopardy could cause or cause possible death to you and a third party. If all three of those conditions are evident, are there, then you can use deadly force. When I saw the video, I said, I said to the guy that showed it to me, I said, Jerry, I got to tell you, I said, I don't see ability, opportunity, and jeopardy there. And sure enough, didn't that white cop go to jail, Tom? Do you remember? I uh, believe so. Um... Yeah, I think he did. 
Because when I saw the video, I said, where is ability, opportunity, and jeopardy? I don't see it. And I'm not a liberal. I voted for President Trump twice. I voted for Ronald Reagan twice. I'm not the most liberal guy in the world. But, there's, see, that's, that's the good thing about videos. And on the other hand, though, I've seen videos where a police officer, he or she pulls somebody over. The individual gets, and even with no body cam, just those uh, dashboard cameras, gets out of the car and jumps on the cop. And I see that, and I say, wait a minute. He got out of the car and jumped on the cop. No, 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 no. The cop didn't cause that. So, I mean, more times than not, though, it works to the advantage of the police and the, and, and corrections officers when there are cameras there. Because I'm going to say about nine times out of ten at least shows that we were the ones that got assaulted. So, it, like the police, as, I've, as I already told you, yeah, we were again. I was one of them that was very critical in the beginning of those cameras, and then I changed my opinion when I was involved in an incident. And the captain, who's a, like I said, is a member of Management Confidential, and the union representatives got together with a union lawyer, looked at the video, and I was cleared. We were taking the inmate, like I said, back from the to the shower room. He was not on the handcuff list, so we could not handcuff him. He turns around lightning fast and does like a football block on me, knocks me down off my feet. I didn't do anything. He turned around and he dropped me because he was lightning fast. You know, these guys are weightlifters and distance runners in the yard, and they're in top physical shape, so if they want to make a quick move, they can. And after, in fact, I wasn't home when my captain called. I had a woman captain at the time. My mother answered the phone. She said, we just reviewed the video, and tell your son he's good to go. The videotape showed that the inmate assaulted him, and we'll take that into any court in the United States. She said, to include, if necessary, we would even take this in front of the Supreme Court. He was assaulted by the inmate. So, I mean, it's natural to be suspicious of that, but I think over well it's worked out well for law enforcement officers. That's my opinion. That's my personal experience. No, th- I'm sorry. I just got a little sidetracked here. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jim. Just out of curiosity, with the uh, with the Jim, Jim, if you could, <laughs> Jim, I, I know you like listening to yourself on the radio, but I, I just I had a question. You, you, uh, your little dissertation yeah. got me got me to thinking. The change uh, in the police officers' view of the body cams uh, over time was there a defining moment? when it changed i think in my opinion when we as we saw more and more videos and like i said nine times out of ten sometimes maybe 19 times out of 20 it was the police that were getting assaulted we saw video after video after video like those um illegals that jumped on those cops in new york city they ganged up on those two cops that's what i saw in the video that was a gang attack two police officers against the whole gang those cops were the ones that were attacked. There's, there, there's cops. I don't think they're ever going to get suspended for that. You, you know, I, I think that if there were any lingering doubts, and your your uh, your uh, monologue got me thinking, and I'm like in, in this deep thought, trying to remember the name, remember the name, and I think if there were any lingering doubts about the efficacy of uh, body cams as a tool to help law enforcement. Do you remember the case in Ferguson, Missouri? Michael Brown, the gentle yeah, I remember giant. That. Yes. And yes. You, you remember the the nonsense the American people were fed about Michael Brown 
being this gentle, uh, hail fellow, well met. Um, Not really. And that video exculpated that police officer of any criminal um, uh, responsibility and relieved him of any civil liability because the video, as I recall, it was the video that I don't know how much of it we got to see. Um, oh boy, is is that? I'm not, now I'm having second thoughts. Is that is that the right example? I, I just yeah, now I think I have... so because see what video? Okay, what the the, the the originally the cameras in the special housing units in our correctional facilities, right. the dashboard cameras on the police cars, and then after the dashboard cams, they went to the body cameras. Did away with he said and she said. In fact, when that. When the captain called my mother, she told my mother, she said, we're way past he said, she said. Now, we got the videotape. He was, your son was the one that got assaulted, and we're ready to take this into court. Period. End of discussion. And then, see, what would happen, Tom, once we had the videotape and we told and we let the, the lawyers from prisoner, Prisoners Legal Service right, look at right. the videotape, the, the, then the union lawyers would say, okay, do you want to take this into court and show this to the judge? Now, any lawyer, even a, any lawyer, I mean, a first-year law student would look at that videotape and say, no, he knocked the correction officer down or he or got out of his car and he attacked the police officer. You know, it, you, you, again, your, 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 your mind is uh, – here, here's, here's what happened with that. That was a situation of uh, surveillance videos. It wasn't a body cam situation. It was a surveillance video that cleared the officer. But there was uh, – I'm, I'm racking my brain here trying to figure yeah, out – Yeah, there was there, something, there was, was it – I don't know, dashboard. I don't remember. I remember Michael there Brown. There was a, a business surveillance. A yeah, it was a business surveillance camera. But there yeah, was, there another, was some type of security. Jim, Jim, hold, hold on, if you would, because I'm not. my mind will not rest until I figure this out. And uh, what? What? Tanner? Tanner, is there an issue? Sorry, okay. I'm sorry. I don't know. I didn't know what was going on. I, I was hearing voices. I think I think Tanner was talking to somebody off the air. Uh, Tanner Saunders at uh, Master Control here. Uh, now, Jim... Uh, I mean, Jim did this for a living as a corrections officer, and I do want to find out more about corrections officers and uh, body cams. And, again, um, boy, it it wasn't the Ferguson case. There was another case, and, oh, it's driving me me batty because the Ferguson, Missouri case, that was private uh, business security footage. And Yeah, like – there was a camera on the property somewhere, you know. Yeah, hold, hold on, Jim. Uh, hold on, i got to put you on hold because i got a break i got to do, and then I'll get back to you. Read the news online at WBEN.com. on CD at her house. Pretty pretty cool mom, I'll say. And, uh, yeah, I'm her full-time caregiver. And uh, it's uh, it's a lot. It, I'll tell you something. It's a lot of fun. It's extremely uh, rewarding. And uh, it's just I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, it is uh, Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, talking about police and body cams. And I said something really stupid last week. 
uh, I assumed, which never ends well, that the town of Hamburg PD had body camps. And the town of Hamburg PD and several other local departments in Erie County also do not have body camps. And I kind of thought it was a standard issue piece of police gear these days, but not so fast, Tom. Uh, They're going to get the gear uh, by the end of 2024, they allege. The police do. Uh, We'll have more on that. We've got a report from Channel 7. And again, just to take you back in time, uh, and Rambo Jim's kind of backing me up on this one. Um, There was originally, uh, when the call came out, we need our police officers to be accountable. We need all of them at all times to have their body cameras on. We want to know who's right, the police or the suspects. And uh, at first, there was a great deal of resistance to body cams. And over time, and I, boy, I'm, I'm trying like desperately, and I'm just not able to pull it up from the memory bank. Uh, there was a very famous case, and it was the officer's body cam that basically cleared the officer. And it was right after that point where any lingering resistance of any magnitude to police body cams kind of fell by the wayside. Because, hey, if Matt Ariza had been wearing a body cam, the night he supposedly went to the party and he supposedly was, well, to say the least, inappropriate with a young lady, but he wasn't at all, and he basically got screwed. Um, And I'm not trying to make a funny joke there. There's nothing funny about sexual assault. Um, But the... it's almost to the point now where in our everyday lives, and we'll get into this in just a moment, body cam video may be very uh, effective and tragically necessary. Uh, Jim, in the uh, state prison system, uh, body cams, Did uh, you you may have mentioned this while I was racking my brain. Um, Yes or no as far as uh, is it a required piece of equipment? Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what's going on here with this uh, computer. Uh, Tanner, if you can just give me a hand here. Uh, Jim in uh, North Tonawanda, uh, state state prisons, required piece of equipment or, or not? Uh, Tom, I've been required since April, I've been retired since April 30th, 2010. Now, when I was working, no, we did not wear body camps. Has that changed since then? You need to talk to somebody who's on the job now, but I've been retired almost April 30th. It'll be 14 years. Now, who's, who's however, cameras or no cameras, the, the best advice that you can give to any police officer or, or corrections officer, once a year, all law enforcement officers are required to go through use of force training, use of deadly force training. Whatever you do, don't sleep through that class. <laughs> Pay attention. If you're not sure, ask questions, because what they'll do, Tom, is they'll get, like, District Attorney Flynn or some lawyer like Cambria, and they're going to get you up on that witness stand, and they're going to do everything they can to prove you used unnecessary physical force by making you look like an idiot, that you didn't know what the law stated. Now, did that police officer or peace officer in the performance of his or her legal duty act in good faith using reasonable judgment based upon probable cause? If that police officer or peace officer used deadly force were ability, opportunity, and jeopardy present before he or she pulled the trigger, yes or no? you got to get up on that witness stand. You better know, sound like you know, and be emphatic, talk emphatically. And if, you're, if someone says to you, why did you shoot to kill? 
No, counselor, I did not shoot to kill. I fired a disabling center mass shot. Yeah. You see my point? Well, yes. Uh, many, obviously, many, many ways. And testify. We were given classes on what to say and what not to say on the witness stand because they will. Those lawyers that go to these people with law degrees, they know how to trip you up. And remember, the one cardinal rule they live by in a court of law is never ask a question that you don't already know the answer for. Yeah, well, we found that out. It's a very famous uh, 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 takeaway from the O.J. Simpson uh, case. But, yeah, and, and by the way, uh, for those who uh, are uh, concealed carry uh, permit holders, God forbid you ever have to use deadly physical force in a situation. But uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm going to give advice that anybody could give. Yeah. Offer offer your full cooperation with the police, but only after you have a lawyer present. Do not yes, answer a true. single but, question. Don't answer a single question. Say, I will happily yeah. cooperate with the investigation. This was a justified use of force. I have nothing else to say without my attorney present. And then shut yeah, up. Unless, you know, the general rule is if you're in your house, you can say, well, there was no place for me to go, so forth and so on. But if you use that gun out on a sidewalk someplace, in a parking lot, then it gets a little more murky and foggy because, okay, you were trapped in, a, in your dwelling, right? You follow what I'm saying? Right. Well, you have an obligation so, to retreat. I mean, that's right. – police so officers can, do not have an obligation to, to retreat. use of deadly force under that circumstance. But if you're not quite sure and you're in a parking lot, and another thing they told us, because, like, peace officers in the state of New York, we don't need any permits. We just carry the gun on our badge if we want to. And if you're walking, like one time I was walking across the parking lot, a couple of white kids, a couple of black kids were smoking joints in the parking lot. I could smell what they were smoking. You know what I did? I just kept walking and minded my own business. If the Cheektowaga Police Department doesn't want kids smoking marijuana in the parking lot that's their job to enforce that that's not my job so don't involve yourself in anything off duty that you don't have to get now if a girl is being a female was being raped in the parking lot would i pull my gun yes under those circumstances when life and death and rape is happening but other than that I'm just going to keep on walking, mind my own business, because don't go around looking for trouble, because they'll because the first thing they say when they get you on that witness stand is, officer, what, why did why was deadly force your first um your first choice? Why? What convinced you? What do you say to that? Well, you had a reasonable belief that deadly physical force was being used or about to be used on the individual whose life you intervened to save. But yeah, you don't. There's, there's you an don't, argument to be, but you, what I'm saying you don't. You don't say that. You let your lawyer say it. I mean, the yeah, only thing, the only thing you say again. God forbid anybody has to use deadly physical force. But the only thing you say is, officer, you have my full cooperation. However. I want my attorney present. That's the, that's the thing to do. But I'm saying if, once they get you on that witness stand in a court of law, the, you got to know what to say, what not to say. And like I said, you never say. He'll say, officer, why did you shoot to kill? No, counselor, I did not shoot to kill. I was trained in my uh, police training or peace officer training to fire a disabling center mass shot. 
You ne- they'll try to trip you up and get you to say that you were shooting to kill. No, you were not. You fired a disabling center mass shot. In a court of law, there's no, you never say you shoot to kill. You never say that. Even if it's true, you don't say that. Well, you also say, look, if I had not uh, used deadly physical force, uh, I would not be here to testify right now. I would have been the dead one. Exactly. Well, see, I Depending didn't on what your attorney kill. says, I didn't I, want to I'm kill the guy. I just, that's why I fired a disabling center mass shot that just so happened it went through his heart and killed him. But I was a disabling. I was. You see what I'm saying? Little technicalities. They're going to make it look like to the people on the jury. I'm talking about after you're up there on that witness stand. If you use deadly force, that you think you're Wyatt Earp. <laughs> that's their goal, to show that you did something wrong or you just did too stupid to know what the law is. And that's one of the thing they told us in use of force. We actually practiced testifying in those classes. Now, as, as you know, Wyatt Earp, after the shootout at OK Corral, Ended I won't be— court. I Well, it, it did end up in court. There was a—wow, Rambo Jim is really up on his uh, Wild West history. Uh, a lot of people think that there was no— court case, but there was a real court case uh, involving Wyatt Earp, Virgil Earp, Morgan Earp, and Doc Holliday, and they were basically prosecuted by Johnny Behan and his cowboy allies for yep. the gunfight at what we call the OK Corral, but was really the alley by the photographic gallery by the OK Corral, well, kind of a one of those misnamed places in history, but uh, the trial oh, Tom, itself, one final thing? the, the transcripts are fascinating. Hope. One final thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Otto, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. He had the guy on his show one night that did the historical research for the movie Tombstone. So I talked to John Otto the night before, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. When you punch out at 11 o'clock, he said, don't stop, don't gas up, just get home, because I want you on. We're going to do a three-way hookup. And the guy that did the historical research for the um, – Movie Tombstone said, I wish I would have had you when I was doing the historical research. Um, he said that well, to me. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. And by the way, Rambo, for, for those who don't know, John Otto, and I try to say this about once a month, John Otto, my opinion, the greatest radio talk show host who ever walked the face of the earth, and yes, that includes Rush Limbaugh. John Otto was a just an amazingly talented human being. I'm not even worthy of shining the shoes in which Mr. Otto walked. John Otto was the man. He really he was. was. And, and, and Art Wander said it uh, is almost as good as you said it when he Art Wander said it, and I quote, John Otto was in a class all by himself. Well, That's he, what he, he said. You know, he that, was because he, was. he had incredibly bad breath, but uh, no, <laughs> he didn't have bad breath. But no, John. John was. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I had a chance to work with John early in my career, and the chance that as my career uh, took off and his was in declension, uh, that I was able to help John stay on the radio in his final days has always meant a lot to me. And Rambo Jim, for those who don't know, you are the final person ever yelled at by John Otto. That is true. People, you have other that people distinction. have said that to me. 
not yep. just the other people said that to me that were listening that night. I, I, I can tell you exactly what I was doing. I was pulling into my parking spot at Country Club Manor, Northwood Drive in Amherst, and I heard John Otto just basically B-slap you all over the radio. Yeah, I, I was in a bar one night, and a guy I never <laughs> saw before in my life. I was just sitting there having a beer at the bar, you know, my frosted beer mug and relaxing. Some guy walked up to me and said, so you're the guy that John Otto yelled at that night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I never thanks saw a lot. guy before in my life, but he knew who I was. Thanks a lot, uh, Rambo Jim. Uh, yeah, unusually yeah, long call with uh, Rambo Jim, uh, just on, on target. And not once did he mention Panama or, or uh, skydiving, parachuting into Panama. Not once. Uh, we love Rambo Jim in, in small doses. You know, um, when, when Jim was talking, um, he sent my mind racing. And I do want to uh, continue this for a little while if there is interest in the topic. But, look, most of you are not police officers, okay? Um, Most of you are civilians. You are citizens. But when you think about the ways in which your home security camera has changed your life, if you think about the ways in which your... (laughs) Your, your ring doorbell has changed your life. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And you know what? Everywhere we go in America, we are under video surveillance. It doesn't matter where we are. We're under video surveillance. Uh, I don't know how many times every day our pictures are taken. It's even worse in London and, and the U.K. It's uh, You basically can't do anything without being picked up by the <clears throat> without being picked up by uh, these closed circuit uh, television things. That was one of the problems that I had with V for Vendetta, the movie. And just hear me out if you if you like the movie. I love the movie, but there are still some things that uh, didn't make sense. For example, uh, at the beginning of the movie, they talk about retinal scans being used to identify people. And um, as Evie gains her confidence and is released from the 24-7 supervision of V, she was walking around the streets of London, not worried about the retinal scanning for identification. That never made sense to me. If, if, if retinal, I didn't say rectal, if rental scan, retinal scanning was so important to try to identify the bad guy, um, fill, fill in the blank one would think that didn't exactly go downhill in terms of technology. So why was she walking around London unmolested by the fingermen if they had retinal scanning in place? Just a a technicality in the movie, but one that bothered me nonetheless. I guess I clearly am in need of a life, and I clearly have issues, but I think we've established that over the years. It's Bowerly. Tom Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, welcome, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Somehow I've managed to get my headphone cord entangled in a desk drawer. I couldn't do that if I was trying to. <laughs> Have you ever noticed sometimes that you, uh, you you pull off these incredibly mathematically and statistically impossible stunts, and if you had to do it to win a billion dollars, you couldn't? But not trying to do it, it always seems to work out. It's amazing. Amazing, I tell you. 
Um, for the next little while here, we're going to talk about uh, not just police body cams, but uh, body cams in your own personal life, because that is an aspect that we uh, kind of touched on when I mentioned V for Vendetta in the previous hour of the program, because I kind of considered it uh, kind of like a blooper in the movie, but I digress. Um, let's go to uh, Tanner. You have pulled up a report, which kind of got this whole ball rolling uh, after last, I think last week or early this week, I uh, basically said, "Oh, sure, the town of Hamburg, uh, the police department, no doubt they'll be reviewing the body cam footage uh, of that uh, horrific incident in which uh, a woman was killed." Uh, one small problem with it, however, uh, it was grossly inaccurate because the Hamburg PD does not currently have body cams. I took some time to look into how common police body cameras are across Erie County, and it turns out Hamburg isn't the only one that doesn't have them. I am confident that in 2024, we will have body cameras. Town of Hamburg Police Chief Peter Dynez sharing at Tuesday's press conference that it won't be long before his department gets body cameras for its officers. He announced there is no footage of last week's altercation that ended with 36-year-old Lisa Haight being shot and killed by an officer. Chief Dynes said body cameras have been in the works for several years, but that getting them has been a lengthy process. This is how long it is taking us to get the grant and then to have the money in, in the budget. I spoke with Erie County District Attorney John Flynn, who is in favor of getting these cameras in as many departments as possible. For example, New York State Police have required them since 2020 and Buffalo since 2019. You get from the body cam footage the real life facts of what happened, and that's, that's invaluable. He tells me most of Erie County's local departments have police body cameras. But also, Hamburg's position is not uncommon. It's one of seven town and village police agencies across the county that do not currently have body cameras. From Flynn's experience, he feels the cameras help more often than not. 999 out of 1,000 times, uh, you know, the police officer is going to, you know, go by the book and do what's proper all the time. Okay. I also spoke with John Wheatfield at Utility Inc., the company that provides body cameras to the West Seneca Police Department. He tells me the cameras serve a dual purpose. Uh, the community point of view, which says transparency is a must, but from the other angle, the body camera really just brings the perspective of the officer. He feels one of the biggest hurdles is the price, but there's ways to help with that. There's grants out there and there's availability, whether it's at a state, uh, local, or even a federal grant, that there's dollars out there to be able to assist with that. Hamburg Police Chief Dynes said his department has received funding for body cams from the town board and that they will be coming later this year. And that is a report from Channel 7's Eyewitness News. And uh, thank uh, Channel 7, WKBW-TV, for the use of the uh, audio and everything like that. But, you know, I was thinking about a uh, situation, um, it, not just with police body cams, but I am kind of curious. And, again, I, I haven't done this topic before, and I don't know if it's going to work. And you will be the decider. You will be the social media influencer because talk radio is the original social media. But how many of you um, around your home, your property, how many of you have surveillance cameras set up 
as a measure of personal protection and property protection. Um, it seems to me that uh, it's almost a must in 2024 to have state-of-the-art security and surveillance system at your home. Now, frankly, uh, most burglaries are committed by their, their first burglaries are typically teenagers and a line that cops will hear a lot of is we just went out to get our Friday pizza and we came back and everything in the house was gone. Well, um, probably because they knew when you were going to leave. They knew that when you came back every Friday, you came back with a pizza box and you knew they knew that it was going to be easy pickings because you never locked that back door. That's it's amazing how many uh, burglars gain entree to a home through a, an unsecured back door. 803-0930 is the phone number. Do you have another another thing, too? Um, dash cams. How many, how many of you have a dash cam? We talked a few weeks ago with uh, some truckers and motorists who have dash cams. And I really think uh, I don't have one as yet, but I haven't mounted one. I haven't mounted it, uh, but um, I, I want to put up a dash cam. And have you ever seen the videos out of Russia? See, in, in Russia, I think everybody wants to get rich as quickly as possible, even if it means destroying their legs and their back for the rest of their lives, um, because the people in Russia, not all of them, I'm not insulting every Russian, but uh, I've seen enough videos from car accidents in Russia uh, to know that people will literally throw themselves in front of your car. I think some vodka may be involved in this in many occasions, but just for a few dollars, or would that be rubles, just for the sake of not very much money, people are willing to risk an entire lifetime filled with chronic pain. And in order to defend themselves against false charges of negligent driving, uh, a lot of <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of drivers will in fact uh, put up a body, uh, a, a dash cam video. So these these video situations are not just for um, are not just for uh, not not just for uh, police officers uh, anymore. They're, they're for everybody. And how about your ring doorbell? How many of you have a ring doorbell? How many of you have caught somebody doing something they ought not to be doing on your property with a doorbell with video capability? And I told you, let me give you the phone number here. 803-0930, the phone number 803-0930, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, curious about you and the cameras in your life and whether they have, in fact, saved your bacon. And what you're going to do with saved bacon, I'm not 100% on that, but uh, perhaps we'll get some friendly tips um, later on after the show. I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. And what I like about the, the, the ring interface, I said inter, in, uh, interface, the ring interface seems very, very easy to operate. Um, it seems like it's quite easy to get the video and to get it to the people 
for, to whom you are trying to get the video and circulate it widely. And I was just to pick up on a point I was trying to make earlier, <clears throat> and I proceeded to interrupt myself. A lot of burglaries um, are committed by neighborhood kids who live within eyesight of the home they're going to rip off. And then once they do their first burglary, they'll do a second and a third and so on and so forth until they get caught, which uh, unfortunately, you know, a, a $20 burglary is not going to go to the top of a list of great crimes of the 21st century for most local police departments, and understandably so. Uh, of course, when it's your stuff, it, it changes the equation a little bit. 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Let us go to uh, Ed in Buffalo. Ed, you are on WBEN. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm actually from Rochester, but I, I'm i in Buffalo for business, and I listen to you when I can. Uh, I have had dash cams, front and rear facing. Uh, I have had house cams, and I live in a eastern suburb of Rochester. Uh, and I have a body cam. And I keep two cell phones available in my vehicle uh, in case I encounter something that wouldn't be nice or if police start acting up. Uh, have you had occasion to use the many devices you have to protect yourself? I have. Um, we one night uh, woke up to an alert on our driveway cam and found four kids breaking into my wife's Jeep. Um, it's got a siren uh, feature to it. We hit that button. I armed myself and went out front. Uh, while we waited for the police, and I held two of them at gunpoint. Um, oh. I was pulled over by state troopers and the thruway for, quote, speeding. My dash cam has GPS. Uh, it's clocked my proper speed, uh, which differed from the uh, officer's, uh, quote, radar speed. Uh, and I was able to beat that ticket with that information. Really? No, so. that's that's uh, that, that's fascinating. But Ed, I mean, isn't it when you think about all of the gear you have that has cameras uh, on it? Isn't it amazing uh, how how many times on any given day we are probably videotaped and photographed because you might be a criminal if yeah, we're 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 everywhere. You're photographed every time you step out your front door. Uh, whenever you enter a business, driving down the street, um, you know, we're, we're getting to look like uh, London, uh, England, uh, where they have cameras everywhere. You can't get away from anybody uh, with those cameras. Now, this, this is true. I mentioned earlier that uh, London is uh, home to a ton. I don't know that anybody's ever actually measured them but a ton of CCTV cameras, and it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I agree, but, you know, you know, pictures, you know, tell, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, and if it comes up to your word against somebody else's, you've got video. Uh, who do you think is going to come out on top of that? Can I, can I tell you a, a funny story 
Uh, at least I think it's funny, and the young lady I was with at the time thought it was funny. Now, I, I need to preface this by saying there's nothing funny at all about domestic violence, okay? I think we've established that on the show. It sickens me. It's one of those things that that's a, that's a trigger issue with me. But uh, this wonderful young lady uh, and I were in an elevator in Niagara Falls, and it wasn't a physical situation, but we staged it to look like we were having this verbal confrontation in the elevator, figuring that even though there was no sign, that they were definitely watching on the TV. So sure enough, the next time we get into the elevator, there is a sign that says, uh, to our guests, please be advised that everything that happens in this elevator is recorded audio audio and visual. <laughs> and we, I mean, again, it was, it, it, it sure. we, we, were, we were doing nothing more than acting. There was no physical or anything like that. It was just like, Harumph, harumph, harumph. And we both thought, yep, they were definitely watching us. Mission accomplished. Absolutely. Uh, again, you can't go anywhere without being uh, videoed, photographed, whatever. And yeah. I encourage I encourage everybody to have a dash cam. Uh, if you have an accident and it's not your fault, it's your word against theirs. Um, again, that. You know, it's a, a no-brainer for me, and they're so inexpensive now that just about anybody, if you can afford a car, you can afford a dash cam. Um, dash cams, uh, just out of curiosity, because uh, I'm just kind of curious, because it, dash cam is definitely on my list of things I really would like to buy. Haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, do they recycle, like, what do you get, 20 minutes, and then it starts over again? Um I, I've got a little bit more of an expensive model. It uh, goes up to the cloud, uh, and I can probably store a couple hours uh, of video up there. Uh, they do loop, uh, but you have some control. Uh, most of them have, um, if you suddenly stop, uh, it will freeze and save that recording. Um, hit a button, uh, it'll freeze and save that recording. Uh, you can access it from your phone. Uh, they've got a parking mode uh, where if somebody tampers with your car, it'll turn itself on. Um, they're pretty sophisticated for uh, for their price, and they can run anywhere from ninety dollars to a thousand dollars, depending on what features you want. Very, very interesting. Um, and you know, the, the thing like when you watch these videos from Russia, I, I, I'm, I'm like everybody needs to make a living. I get it. But when you are putting your life and limb at risk for just a few tens of thousands of rubles because the Russian organized crime czars want some cash and they're going to put your body up to get it, that's uh, that's pretty sick. I, I don't watch Russian <laughs> dash cam videos. Um, I do watch police uh, dash cam videos. Uh, and the, the, the so-called cop watch videos, they're quite entertaining. Uh, they certainly are. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of our favorite shows got 
Taken off the air uh, in light of the uh, George Floyd incident uh, and being a police officer or uh, saying anything nice about cops was a guaranteed way to be canceled with uh, today's culture. Uh, thank you, Ed. I appreciate hearing from you. And happy taping, no matter where you go. Happy happy videoing. And I hope that it's, uh, hope it's highly uh, exotic and uh, erotic for you. Uh, it is uh, 420. Oh, yeah, just assume. Uh, Wenger and I were talking about this not that long ago. We just assume that no matter where we go, uh, there are eyes on us with uh, video surveillance and in some cases the audio and video surveillance, which uh, that's just a, a double, huh, it's just a double whammy. It is uh, 29 minutes after four at News Radio 930 WBEN. So good to be with you on a Friday. Well done, Tanner. Well done. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. You know, there's actually a time. And my lack of education hasn't hurt When you would put none. film in a camera and shoot 24, sometimes 12 pictures. James at the drugstore. Take him to the drugstore or the photo booth, and a year later, you'd get your pictures back. Now, of course, in the digital age, you immediately know, uh-oh, that picture didn't come out very well. Wow, open your eyes in that picture, Dad. And uh, it's a whole new era. And... It, it brings to mind, you know, one of the things that you uh, might experience as you are going about uh, cleaning out your elderly parents' homes, what to do with all of the photographs. Now, there is a show I think we need to do next week. What do you do with all of the pictures? And, you know, for a guy, I, I often remark that for a guy who really did not enjoy serving in the United States Army in Korea— he uh, basically felt we shouldn't stick our nose in other people's business. Um, for a guy who served his two years in Korea and did not uh, emerge as a fan of the United States Army, my dad must have p filled up about 20 books of photos of Korea. It's just unbelievable uh, going through all those pictures and all, all that history, which uh, probably meant a lot more to uh, dad than it did to uh, anybody back home. But anyway, uh, just your final thoughts on this whole camera nation. And it started off with the uh, body cam situation. And again, I maintain that uh, in, in the early days when they started talking about putting uh, cameras with police officers, that a lot of police officers felt it was uh, basically an invasion of their privacy, that it wasn't cool. And what happened over time is that uh, enough people made spurious or false complaints against police officers that were proven to be just a bunch of BS that eventually, and again, I can't speak for everybody, but many of the cops who used to be dead set against having anything like a body cam uh, came to actually favor the body cam because uh, it just it was it was a great 
uh, it was a great way to defend yourself in light of uh, false charges being made against you. I mean, and it, like I said earlier, it's almost to the point now, and this is kind of disturbing, um, where it's almost like you want to wear a body camera in everyday life. I think about, and I, I just I can't get off of uh, Matt Ariza and uh, the situation with uh, the, the 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 punt god that Matt Ariza his entire career was put on hold. Everything for which that young man had worked and toiled for years and years and years went down the tubes because of some bad friends he had made. Who knows? Who knows? Because of a a bad party that he went to, allegedly. But if Matt Ariza had been wearing a body cam, Matt Ariza would probably be an NFL punting star today. It probably already would have happened, and he would have had a Bills jersey on. And uh, it just – that whole situation bothers me. But the point I'm trying to make here, and not successfully, I think, is that uh, if Matt Ariza had protected himself with a body cam, nobody could nobody could have legitimately claimed, or you know, illegitimately as the case may be, that Matt Ariza had anything to do with any attack upon her. And as I said earlier, there are some things that just, uh, in, in your life, there are probably crimes that emotionally hit you more than other crimes. And for me, it's violence against children. It is violence against women, violence against the elderly, basically violence against people who can't really defend themselves. Uh, that really, uh, it, it bothers me like you wouldn't believe and makes me feel very uh, blessed for uh, everything that uh, you know has, has taken place around me. Uh, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. But, I mean, it, it is kind of a sad commentary that I can actually make an argument that everybody should wear a body cam just as uh, just as legal self-defense. And I'm wondering how many of you do have the dashboard cam uh, uh, for your for your dash, and uh, whether you've ever had to uh, whip it out and actually use the use the darn thing, because. Uh, you think about all of the things that happen in parking lots. You think about people who do stupid stuff on the side of the road. And it would be nice to have a piece of evidence that you can show to the police or have available to the police, uh, depending on what your lawyer has to say, uh, regarding what is captured on that. And if you ever look up um, Russian motor vehicle accidents caught on dash cam, you will see an amazing number of people who live in the former Soviet Union are so hurting for money that they will throw themselves in front of very fast-moving vehicles, and then they'll get a settlement, and they'll get to keep a small amount of it, and the person who is in charge of the criminal ring, uh, they get to keep most of it. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty disgusting and dangerous, but... Uh, you know, if you're making gazillions of dollars uh, doing something, uh, at, of course. See, you're you're at the top of the food chain, so you're you're going to be untouchable. Eight zero three zero nine thirty star nine thirty 
and 1-800-616-WBEN, the uh, phone numbers. And we just think, uh, we're talking off the year, Tanner and I, about all the, um, the songs that have been written about photographs over the years, like uh, Paul Simon's Kodachrome, Ringo Starr, um, Photograph, the, the actual title of the song is Photograph, Jim Croce, Photographs and Memories, and... It's, it's so weird how things have changed just in the course of your lifetime with photographs and video cameras. You know, there was a time when you're, remember, you remember going out and getting your first camcorder? And what was the first thing you recorded on your camcorder? Yeah, kind of like the Polaroid pictures way back when. Of course it was. Uh, but 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. I'm a big believer in... Uh, uh, home security and home uh, security cameras, as well as vehicular um, security cameras. Very, very important. Let's go to Frank Holland on WBEN. Frank, welcome. It is uh, your turn. Thanks for checking in. Hey, Tom. You know, I use all three. I use the cameras at home. I use the body cam, the little lapel pin one, and I got a uh, spare phone on my dash that I use for that in case I need it. You know, just turn it on with it saying okay google record it works out great and then the body cam one when i go to events rallies protests whatever i wear that just in case and at home i got the blink system that works out really well it's funny how we we uh we're all against the spying on americans and the privacy thing but then the ones that are biggest are the ones that use them the most (laughs) You know, there there definitely is some irony. But I guess the the difference is, I mean, you're doing it as a legitimate first line of, of self-defense. And you know, I keep trying to make this point, but uh, burglaries, first of all, if somebody is a professional burglar, they're going to get into your house. There's nothing you can do about it. But frankly, most people, including myself, it isn't worth the effort to get in because there's really nothing of any value to rip off, number one. Uh, Number two, the fact of the matter is uh, young burglars typically hit the house that is closest to them where they know the schedule. They know every Friday between 6 and 6.30 they're off getting a pizza. And I always like to say that... uh, if cops had a dollar for every burglary call to which they responded where the people said, we just went out for our Friday pizza, we didn't think we had to lock the door, um, I could probably retire. You know, I ever since the Stefan Mihailu got attacked by Antifa and the rest of them in Niagara Square, I've, uh, I've carried more and I've recorded more <laughs> because look at the way they twisted everything. And if he hadn't had actual video of how they actually approached and attacked and incited that, I mean, it could have ruined you. So when I go to the events and the protests and the rallies and the gatherings, I wear it just to cover, you know, and keep track of the truth. Because, you know, video in all doesn't lie. You can twist it, but it's really hard. And then no, as you're, far you're as, right. you know. It's it, look. It's a Frank. Hold, hold on, my friend. Hold, hold on, because uh, it is a great. Uh, it, it's a great piece of evidence, and anything that you can produce that is going to corroborate what you are saying um, is going to be of some value to it. And it's like one of those things you you hope that you don't have to use it, but it's nice to know that it's there uh, if you uh, if you do. Um, by the way, personal message to Nick Orticelli. 
do you know who I am? <laughs> Sorry, it's an inside joke, and it just gets funnier every time I tell this story. Uh, let's get back to Frank in Holland. Frank, I had to rudely uh, interrupt you uh, during your uh, discussion of uh, your measures you have taken to defend yourself, your property, and your insurance rates. You know, it's interesting how, you know, <laughs> it's funny how it backfires on Antifa when they try it and Western New York media and all that. But when I got to clarify, when I'm against, you know, Big Brother and the government, you know, using all these cameras everywhere against us, the thing about when I use it is I turn it on and off when I want for my protection, not for them. So I, I just wanted to clarify that although it's, you know, privacy invasive, if it's your choice to do it, I'm in favor of it. If it's, you know, you're being spied on all the time, that's crazy. It's against, you know, your own privacy rights in the U.S. Just wanted to clarify that. Well, but was it you mentioned the U.K. before? Or was no, it one of the other callers? No, but if, if you want to read something really dystopian, uh, read about all of these security systems in in the uh, in London in particular, and what's what's really and, and something that people have to understand about sur- surveillance video is that the more video you have, the harder it is to actually watch it and figure out if any crimes are being committed. The more information that comes in, like I've got uh, maybe half a dozen or so cameras at my house, and if there's a situation that I want to double-check on, it, it literally can take a long time to zero in on exactly what I'm looking for at exactly the right angle. And uh, lately, <laughs> I'll let you in a little secret, lately been a lot of uh, red foxes late at night walking and prowling in the neighborhood caught a few coyotes and uh, you probably have heard me mention this before but i'm the guy whose car was antlered by a deer i thought somebody had keyed the car i thought that was a strange position to be keyed and it turns out it was this giant buck walking alongside my car on his way to the uh, stargazer lily salad bar and he he antlered my car well, you know, you talk about how hard it is to focus on what you want with so many cameras. Yes. Go to Wal- go to Walmart self-checkout. Look up at the monitors there and all the little bleeping screens and squares. And everything. They've got computers that figure all that out. And they've already got algorithms. I mean, it's not conspiracy theory. It's literal fact and science right no, above a, your head. It's a conspiracy they, they fact. It's like everything. a casino. Going to Walmart's like going to a casino, and if you like the true crime shows, uh, you're well aware that every everybody who commits a heinous crime against another human being, they always seem to go to the 24-hour Walmart's. They always seem to buy the bleach, the mops, the gloves. It's really disturbing. What's even more disturbing is that I know this. Um, Frank, always a pleasure. How, how's my truck doing, by the way? You know, my, my truck is doing just wonderfully. <laughs> I love your truck. I'm not a truck guy because I'm, I'm not that big a guy. You are a big guy, but I love your truck. Yeah, I love it too. And, I, I, you know, I had a camera set up going through East Aurora when the lawnmower lady on Main <laughs> Street shot all the garbage into the road <laughs> and dinged up my truck. So it's a good thing I had the camera on my truck because I literally recorded her spitting it up into the road. 
Mm. Of course, the cops didn't do anything, and I had to pay for it, but whatever. You know, good to at have a camera the, on my beautiful truck. At least you had the satisfaction of being in the moral high ground, sir. Uh, and, and, Frank, a, for a you to weekend. be in the moral high ground, take something. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? See ya. There's Frank in Holland. Uh, let me just say this about Frank's truck, okay? Um, Frank's truck as a man would have the world's biggest jock strap holding them up from behind. That's a, that's what a manly truck he has. It is uh, 459 at News Radio 930 WBEN. Thank you so much for being with us. We've got another hour to come. Hey, you want to talk about the Joe Biden situation? Because I do. We spent some time earlier talking about it with the uh, UB professor, an expert in uh, geriatric medicine. And I think we need to spend some more time talking about it the final hour of today on News Radio 930 WBEN. Ah, welcome, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Um, oh, just a friendly reminder. Um, hey, guess what next, uh, was it next Wednesday? Guess what next Wednesday is? Guys, um, I cannot stress this to you enough. Next Wednesday is Valentine's Day. And as a man and look i know that we have gay couples listening lesbian couples listening it, it, i don't care i mean i love you i mean you do what you you do you you know what i mean just be you but whatever the arrangement is in your relationship you do not forget valentine's day you forget valentine's day and that is the beginning of the end sweetest day now that that's i, I don't even understand what sweetest day is supposed to be all about frankly but uh, Valentine's Day, we all know that it's a coming. And I'm just saying that you'd best make your reservations now for Valentine's Day. Don't wait until the last minute to get that reservation at her or his favorite restaurant. Um, and whatever your sweetie wants on Valentine's Day is exactly what they get on Valentine's Day. It's like... Uh, if you are in a process of uh, taking care of an elderly parent or an elderly spouse or something like that, I, I have a I have a theory that goes this way, and the doctors don't really have any issues with it. If your elderly dad wants to eat mint chocolate chip ice cream for dinner every night, 90 years old, 85 years old, you know what? I'm not a doctor, but let him eat mint chocolate chip ice cream every day for a week, as much as he wants. In fact, uh, somebody was telling me with uh, uh, one of the local organizations that deals with uh, comfort and palliative care that ice cream is their best friend. <laughs> ice cream is, yeah, uh, you, you know of whom I speak. Ice cream is their best friend. And, uh, you know, there was a, a situation, uh, I, won't, I won't name hospitals, but there's a situation relatively recently uh, in my life where, uh, well, it's my mom, she was dying for, well, she's probably a bad choice of words, uh, but she, she was dying for chocolate cake, and they wouldn't give her chocolate cake because of various uh, underlying comorbidities and everything. So I basically went to the uh, administration and I said, guys, ladies, the woman is 90 years old. If she wants a piece of chocolate cake, 
give her a piece of chocolate cake. Would you like to explain to me, please, the logic of withholding something that will give a 90-year-old woman pleasure at this point and phase in her life? There is none. Give her the chocolate cake. And they all looked at each other, shook their heads, and said, yeah, she can can have chocolate cake, no problem. And uh, basically, whatever your sweetie wants on Valentine's Day, is what your sweetie is going to get on Valentine's Day. And, you know, at some point in the next week, Tanner, I've got a show idea before we get into this uh, Joe Biden situation. I have a show idea, and I, I, I want to bounce it by you. You, Tanner, who has never had a girlfriend. Is that still valid? Is that still a true statement? That is still a true statement. I don't understand it because you're a great-looking guy. I know you work really funky hours, but you're a great-looking guy. You're a smart guy. You would be a catch in any woman's book. You'd be a catch in my book, Tanner. Oh, here comes HR. Uh, but, Tanner, you're a great guy, and I can't believe that you, of all people, are without somebody special in your life. It, it blows me away. But um, nicknames are very important in a relationship. I think next week we need to do a show on nicknames for your honey bunny. I can steal the remember Pulp Fiction, Honey Bunny. I've never seen Pulp Fiction. Oh, my dad's—he's right. been on my case about that for years, but I, I've not seen it yet. That's on—I've got a growing list, especially after taking over as your producer of movies that I need to see, <laughs> and that's one of them. Almost, almost anything by Quentin Tarantino—you uh, can't go wrong. Reservoir Dogs—you, you, you can't go wrong with Reservoir. Uh, you know, I, the first time I saw that movie, I, I didn't like it because of one, one particular scene. But then, as I researched the movie a little bit more and I understood what they were trying to do, it still bothered me. But at least I understood the reason for the scene, and it does involve Jerry Rafferty and Steeler's Wheel. And that's all I'm going to say. But Reservoir Dogs, um, you you have to check out that movie. But nicknames for your love of your life. And I found out what not to call my wife earlier. <laughs> so she she has uh, – I got, I got to come up with a new nickname because um, she did not like the one that I chose, apparently. I didn't realize that until today. I should have realized it when the door was locked, but <laughs> we moved. Guess where? That that would have been a, that would have been a pretty good clue that I failed to pick up on. But uh, anyway, we'll get her to, we'll get her down to the station at some point. She'll co-host the show with me. She'll definitely be into that. <clears throat> um, so, c- could you detect a little bit of sarcasm? <laughs> she likes being she likes being behind the scenes. Uh, she's just very happy to be Mrs. Bowerly. Thank you very much. And uh, anyway. Uh, welcome to the program, and don't forget, again, next Wednesday, Valentine's Day, don't blow it, because you yourself um, will find yourself in uh, a heap of a jam, and we don't want that for the Bowerly audience. So the Joe Biden thing is in the news, and, you know, I want to talk about it. Here's here's the thing. Um, it makes me somewhat trepidatious going anywhere down the political uh, the political aisle because politics in this country are so incredibly divisive. They're so incredibly toxic. And it's difficult to do a show without having it descending into something you don't want it to descend into over time. 
But uh, Joe Biden, uh, well, let's have, for, for those who have not been keeping track of what's been going on with the President of the United States, uh, here is the report on Joe Biden and uh, this uh, special prosecutor. Let's listen up. This is a special report from ABC News. Biden classified documents. I'm Daria Albinger. I've seen the headlines since the report was released about my willful retention of documents. This, these assertions are not only misleading, they're just plain wrong. President Biden pushing back on special counsel Robert Hur's report over his handling of classified documents. It does not recommend charges, but it does find wrongdoing, and it questions the president's memory. I was so determined to give the special counsel what he needed, I went forward with a five-hour in-person, five-hour in-person interview over two days on October the 8th and 9th of last year, even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas on the 7th, and I was very occupied. The president says his memory is fine, asking reporters how he could have accomplished what he has so far if it wasn't. The bottom line is the matter is now closed. The report was released earlier today. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, there's, there's, really, there's really two issues here. Number one, was a crime committed that could be successfully prosecuted? So I guess there's one standard for Joe Biden and another standard for Donald Trump, but I won't even go there for right now. But uh, the other issue, and I think it is the more important issue, is uh, President Biden's uh, poor memory. Now, we all, and I, I include myself in, t- in, this, in this whole mix, we all have what I will affectionately call senior moments. And I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Tim Wenger and I, we're about the same age. I'm a little bit older than Tim, but I, we, we've known each other for years. We've worked together for years, and Tim and I have both had um, instances of, shall we say, senior moments where we've looked at each other and said, yeah, I really said that. Did I really do that? Oh, that's unfortunate. And it, it happens. And the classic case of losing the car keys repeatedly, losing the wallet repeatedly, losing the cell phone repeatedly, um, been there and done that. And I think I've got a certificate somewhere that actually attests to that fact. But are you concerned about Joe Biden's, uh, well, his clarity of thought? And I'm going to differ with our esteemed doctor we had on earlier uh, during the program today. Um, I am concerned about Joe Biden's um, health in terms of his mental agility. And I'm using layman's terms, but, you know, I know old when I see it, and I know fumbling and bumbling when I see it. And when I see the President of the United States, I see basically a guy I look at as an older fumbling, stumbling, mumbling guy that I really don't want anywhere near the nuclear codes uh, of the United States. And I also see a guy, and again, my take on Biden is different than the experts, and he's an expert and I'm not. And again, um, just look, it's it's not a big surprise. I'm, I'm not a Joe Biden fan. I'm not a fan of today's Democrat Party. Um, But I really, to me, that's not even the issue here. The issue is one of uh, what I consider to be cognition. 
and I know what old is, and I know what uh, stumbling and fumbling is. I don't think I need an MD after my name to offer an opinion based on my life experiences with people who are in a declension physically and, and mentally. And I, we've been seeing, in my opinion, Joe Biden um, basically on the fast track of declension. Again, I'm not a doctor. The doctor we had on earlier would disagree with me. Uh, he knows more about it than I do. But uh, I only know from my own personal experience uh, what it looks like. And when somebody gets agitated when you call their memory into question to me that is an alarm bell see wenger and i we will joke about it if we're having a senior moment as we call them and we've been having them again since well how old are we? since our 30s we've we've known each other since we were 30 odd years old that that, that puts things in perspective doesn't it but uh 803-0930, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. When, when somebody starts getting very angry when you question their memory, I don't take that as a good sign. Again, am I an expert? Nope. But have I seen this in real life? I most certainly have. And I don't like the fact that Biden, the president of the United States, uh, basically... You know, launched cruise missiles at anybody who dared to question his mental faculties. And when you are one of the most important men in the world uh, and you've got the power to destroy the world many times over, I think it's a, these are legitimate questions that need to be asked. I think Joe Biden is too old to be president. I, I don't think he's functioning well. Uh, just comparing him, comparing the Joe Biden of today with the Joe Biden of 10 years ago or even four years ago, I think that you can make the argument that there has been a very visible and rapid declension in his mental agility uh, and certainly his physical prowess. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to stumble up the stairs of Air Force One three times in a row. Um, that was a very embarrassing moment. And, and I honestly believe that the people behind Joe Biden, you know, like the Obamas and things, um, I, I don't think they're doing this man any favors. I don't think his wife, Jill, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Jill, I don't think that she is doing him any favors uh, by basically forcing him to run for the presidency of the United States again. I just, uh, I, it's almost cruel. Uh, in my uneducated but observant opinion. 803-0930 is the phone number. Star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Don't go anywhere because there is much more on the way. By the way, it's uh, Buffalo's Evening News coming up with Mr. Thomas Puckett, and that will be from 6 until 7 tonight on News Radio 930 WBEN. So stay tuned for that. Well, many American people have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is your judgment. They, that is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the press. Is that it? 
No, that one might have for uh, Joe Biden. Um, you know, again, I'm not an expert in aging. All I know is what I've seen over the course of my 60 years of uh, being on this planet. And uh, I'm sorry, but to me, uh, Joe Biden's age is a factor. Even if I agreed with his politics, it would be a factor. And to be perfectly honest with you, Donald Trump's age is also a factor uh, to me. And uh, some people age better than other people. This is true. Uh, Joe Biden seems markedly older than Donald Trump. Uh, But again, I think a lot of it has to do with genetics. Uh, But it's uh, obviously not going to go away anytime real soon. And it's not just a question of people who think as I think, who are concerned about the president's uh, mental awareness and ability to uh, be the puppet in chief uh, of the United States. See, I'm one of these, I'm one of these wackos who believes that the uh, Senate and the House of Representatives and the presidency, it's just theater for the American people. And the real individuals who run America are people whose names you've never even heard of and never will hear of. Uh, let's go to uh, Jim in uh, West Seneca on WBEN. Jim, you are on. Hello. Hello, Tom. Uh, I hope I don't mistake my facts because I'm a 76-year-old Vietnam veteran. Uh, I will not vote for Trump. I will not vote for Biden. And it's not just because of the age, but because of the politics. Uh, I, uh, I consider myself an independent. I'm registered as a Democrat, probably because my father and my, most of my uncles were all World War II veterans. And at that time, I thought, were they, they uh, at that time, we, they went through the Depression, World War II, and I think that they uh, were among the greatest Americans that were ever in this country. And uh, I, uh, I, I, lo- uh, Trump lost me. I, I, in fact, I voted for Trump once, but he lost me uh, when he was running against John McCain, and he said that John McCain was not a hero. After the man served in the Air, U.S. Air Force for eight years, he flew many missions over North Vietnam. He got shot down. He was held as a captive in, in Hanoi. And, and he could have been released right away because his father was an admiral in the right. U.S. Navy. So, uh, and and I, with, all, with, all respect, with all respect to uh, his service and your service, what does this have to do with the age issue? Well, I think that uh, I I do admit that I forget many facts. I'm 76. I don't remember everything. I'm still working. I've worked over 60 years. And I have met many people in their 30s and 40s that I think mistake or misquote many facts themselves or forget many facts. I don't think that age is always a factor, but that that is the main reason I will not vote for Biden or Trump. I think we need 
some younger people, and I think there are younger people in this country that could serve honorably and and uh, and uh, represent the American people and all the important issues. I and well, also, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna get a lot of disagreement from me. I do believe that there should be an age restriction on the presidency of the United States. Um, they drum you out of FBI when you're in your fifties. So in that the FBI is a executive part of the executive branch of government, it seems kind of stupid to me that you could be the best FBI agent the world has ever seen and get knocked, you know, basically age out of your position, yet the person who is your superior can be 110 years old and they don't age out. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Go ahead. Well, uh, when I went to Vietnam, I was 19 years old. I volunteered to go there. I served as a paratrooper in the, paratrooper in the infantry. I served during the Tet Offensive. I, I had many of my comrades killed and wounded. I made it out of there alive. But at the same time, I can remember Trump was back in the U.S. His father was a millionaire. His father gave him millions to get him started in business. And he cheated many of the people that he had made contracts with. And also, he had he he went heads over heels to stay out of going into the military. He had five deferments because of a bone spurs bone spurs on his heel. And I I when he said John McCain was not a hero after all he went through, he lost my respect. All right, thank thank you very much. I uh, appreciate the phone call. Uh, want to focus in on the the age issue with. Uh, Joe Biden, and for that matter, uh, Donald Trump. And uh, again, I think the best argument that I can make is if you are uh, in the FBI, you are put out on your butt in your 50s. And yet the person who is your superior, ultimately uh, the chief executive of the United States, they can be a million years old and they don't get put out on their butt. I do think we need an age limit for the presidency. We have term limits. Why not age limits? Here is, uh, now what should that age limit be? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because you and I know that different people age at different rates. And uh, some people some people are sharp as a tack at 95, and other people are uh, beginning their rapid declension in their 50s or 60s. Uh, I think some of it is genetic, some of it is lifestyle. And uh, I do think that uh, Donald Trump in terms of aging alone, forget the politics and anything else, aging alone, Donald Trump seems to be more robust for his age than Joe Biden has ever seemed. Um, uh, but it, to me, that doesn't matter. I mean, I know for whom I'm going to vote if it comes down to whom I believe it is going to come down to. But uh, at the same time, I just I have a hard time taking a lot of it seriously because I and one of these nut jobs who believes that the country is really run by the deep state and that we just put on this political act every two and every four and every six years to give the illusion of a constitutional republic. I think the constitutional republic died on November 22nd of 63. Uh, yeah, I did not serve. My father was a Korean War veteran when it was a hot war and uh, had no interest in serving any more than his uh, two years that he owed the country by virtue of uh, his being drafted. 
And uh, I guess my father, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because for as conservative a guy he was in many, many ways, he was also pretty progressive in his own way. Um, back in the early 1950s, my dad's best army buddy was a gay black man named Luther. I mean, if all the guys that he, he could have hung out with, my dad hung out with Luther. And believe me, that was a time when uh, – Race relations, uh, even in the military, were not exactly at their high point, and yet uh, Dad and Luther were inseparable. And no, they weren't lovers, but they were just inseparable. Here is uh, Marcus in uh, Middleport on WBEN. Marcus, uh, Joe Biden and the age issue and his uh, fiery exchanges with reporters. Yeah, um, they need to give him a mental evaluation, and they should set up a federal law. I know these two won't, uh, Biden and Trump won't do it, but they got to get a candidate to set a law, no president beyond the age of 68. That gives you 33 years to get your act together. If you can't get your act together in 33 years, you don't need to become our president. And part two of that, no more draft dodgers and deserters. That starts from Clinton and all these guys to the front. You know, they get their little rage going. And they feel, uh, I don't know, a masculine, superior, and they have no question of sending our sons and our daughters to their deaths. But this man needs a—he uh, needs an evaluation. Um, if I were, let, let's put it this way: I, I don't, I, I don't hold it against Joe Biden that he was a little bit hazy on the details of his son's death, because psychologically, it's not uncommon for people to want to dissociate themselves from such a horrific experience. A parent burying a child is always a, a horrific experience. So I, I got to cut President Biden some slack on that one. Uh, if you ask me the day my father died, I couldn't tell you, and I loved my father. So I got to mm-hmm. give Joe Biden a pass on that. As far as um, the age limit of 68, um, I I might be willing to go a little bit higher than that, but I don't know that it'd go any higher than uh, than seventy five, uh, in in this new era in which we uh, in which we live. I'm I'm more concerned, Marcus. I don't mm-hmm. know how you feel about this. I'm more concerned with the, um, with the, uh, what word am I looking for? The uh, legitimacy of the election. I'm more concerned with possibilities of fraud. It's happened before in America. It can happen mm-hmm. again in America. Hey, for as for as much as I study the assassination of President Kennedy, and I think President Kennedy was one of our greatest presidents in many ways, um, he absolutely stole the election in 1960. Absolutely. Not even a question mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Um... His thoughts or something. Didn't he? Uh, didn't President Biden make a statement just recently that he was the most qualified, I guess, candidate to be president of the United States out of 360 million people, and about 20 million are illegal aliens. <laughs> Not just him; other ones helped. He's the best qualified. I can't believe it. We got people going to land on the dark side of Saturn by candlelight. <laughs> But he's the most qualified. I can't believe it. <laughs> the dark side of Saturn by candlelight. Where did you come yeah. up with that? Is that original? Yeah, oh, I was the Air Force for 12 years, so I, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, is that an Air Force inside joke, or did you come up with that yourself? Uh, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, uh, no, I got it from the Air Force. <laughs> okay. Because you, 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 well, I know that you weren't Air Force intelligent because you, you still have your marbles. 
you still have your marbles about you, and you, you, you know, so because all, all those Intel guys are, are all nuts. Uh, but anyway, thank you for the call, and thank you for ending on a very. You made me laugh. I'm going to be thinking about you all weekend. Thanks, thanks, Marcus. Right. I appreciate it. All right, take care, sir. Uh, I would like you landing on the dark side of Saturn by candlelight. Oh my goodness. Anyway, hey, um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for all the phone calls today. Thank you for a terrific show. It's a good way to end the week on a bang. Um, and I want to thank Tanner Saunders for tremendous work. I want to apologize for Tom Puckett for being late to every single newscast. I should have been on time for it today. That's on me. It's a clock issue. Um, and I'm sorry about that. So sorry about that, Tom Puckett. I, I uh, was late heading into your newscasts, and that's going to follow me all weekend long. I need to do a better job at that. That's on me. And uh, don't know for whom I'm going to root. I, of course I do. I, I hope Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Again, thanks to Tanner Saunders. Tom Puckett coming up with Buffalo's evening news from 6 until 7 on News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, I think I might actually hit this one on time.